Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Hello. How are we doing? I thought I'd gather the Averys to say hello. Hey guys. Hello. 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 My, name's, my name's Tom. This is Rocco. Hello. This is Caleb. Hi, Caleb. <laughs> hey, hello. And this is Otty. Say hi, Otty. Say hello. Say hello. No. Nah. Nah. <laughs> All right. We'll say goodbye to these guys. They're not going to be preaching this morning. Bye. I'm sure they have things to say. Bye, lovely family. Bye. All right. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Rich. What a wonderful time we've had together so far. What wonderful things that came through as we as we uh, listened to God and 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 reflected on what He was saying to us this morning. So much of that is what we're going to speak on this morning. As I said, my name's Tom. I'm part of the leadership team at Rev, as well as uh, helping plant a church in Tottenham. Just a little way away. There's a few of the Tottenham guys with us this morning. Big shout out to you guys. Thanks for joining us. As you know, we've been looking at a series um, called Gracism. We've been looking at the book by Dr. David Anderson, Gracism, and tracking along alongside that book. Uh, I just wanted to start with a quick question. How have you found the series. I know talking to many and I know for myself it's been a challenge at times. There's been moments of, of challenge as we reflect on what people are sharing, reflect on what we're hearing. I know I know for myself just listening to people and their experience I've had to reflect on my own uh, experiences and, and really aware that I've lived in London nearly all my life and I've never been stopped by the police. It might make no sense to you, me saying that, but you might have listened to Andy a few weeks ago and just, just hearing the experiences, reading the experiences, it's a painful conclusion, a painful place to come to and realise the world we live in. I've, I've never felt watchful eyes on me as I've gone about my shopping. Get, I get to see myself reflected in magazines, in heroes, in countless books and films, in the corridors of power, in the places of privilege. I don't get overlooked. It's been painful to hear others' experiences. <laughs> and almost even as I say that, I think but that's not my pain, that's their pain. I can't even imagine it. It's part of my conclusion. Let's talk about the church. <clears throat> As we talked about this, I've reflected that I've never had to question how I fit in because of my skin color or my ethnicity or my culture. I've never been short of a place to fit in. And yet we've discovered that in the church, it's not always felt like that for everybody. We found an environment for some. We found an environment that has been fostered where there's an expectation of fitting a mould. And we've had to, I've had to, we've had to, painfully reflect that we have favoured uniformity 
over unity. And that's what we're going to speak about this morning. We're going to speak about unity. You see, we're looking at this passage that you've just heard read to you, which Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Paul, who, as Malcolm read from Ephesians 3, had this special burden on him to preach the good news to the Gentiles. Paul spoke these words to the church in, in, in Corinth. And we are particularly focused this morning on verses 24 and 25 and, and, and actually just nine, nine words within that. So let me read you these verses. God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I'm going to read you just nine words from the middle, that there be no division in the body. God has so composed the body that there be no division. That's what we're speaking about this morning under the title, I will stand with you. It's um, maybe poignant that today on Remembrance Day, we start with a picture of, of an army. I want you to imagine a line of soldiers and I want you to imagine them stood shoulder to shoulder. Shields pointing forward, swords all in place. Each one stood in that line shoulder to shoulder. This is what racism is. If you're to follow the, the what David Anderson says, racism is in the, in, in the book. Racism is rejecting your spot in the line because of the skin color or the culture or the ethnicity of the person beside you. That's the overt end of racism. I'm not going to stand there. But it's, of course, much subtler than that. It works out more like I'm just going to look for my preference. I'd rather stand there in the land, in the line. I'd rather serve alongside people who look like me. And even subtler, if you want to fit into this bit of the line, you need to be like us. Gracism in this picture is deliberately standing shoulder to shoulder with those not like you. It's choosing brotherhood and sisterhood with those who do not share your skin colour, do not share your culture, do not share your ethnicity, making the line a place where we actively seek to include those on the outside to the extent that there's none on the outside, that all are on the inside. Let me ask again, how have you found this series? Has it struck to the heart? I'd maybe suggest if it hasn't, I'm not sure you've been listening. Maybe this is your first time with us. Because gracism is costly. We die to our preferences. But gracism wins us something far greater. And that's what we're going to be exploring this morning. We're going to be exploring unity. We're going to look at this central idea, no division. We're going to consider why unity is so good. We're going to consider why unity is so hard to achieve. And finally, we're going to consider why the church is uniquely called to unity. I'm going to pray before I press into this huge, beautiful subject. 
Father, we humbly come before you. We come before you, the creator, the one who set it all in motion, who sustains all things by your powerful word, the one who in this day of such great uncertainty and upheaval, the one who remains certain and unmovable. We come before you, the one who establishes your people, the author and perfecter of our faith. We come before you, the one for whom all things exist. We want to give you glory this morning, Lord. Lord, as we speak about unity, we want to give you glory as we look to reflect you, reflect what you have done in our lives. Lord, I ask, help me this morning. Help me this morning. Help us this morning. Lord, change us this morning. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, why is unity so good? I'm going to give you three reasons. I'm, I'm kind of going to give you some more reasons later, but I'm going to give you three big reasons now. Number one, unity reflects the nature of God, the very nature of our triune God. It says he was in, in the beginning was the word and he was with God and he was God. It says in the Bible, in the beginning, the spirit hovered over the face of the waters. We see it in the very beginning, the nature of God, the incredible united nature of the Godhead, three persons, each fully God, incomprehensible unity, three persons in one. We can't wrap our heads around it. There is no analogy that does it justice. United in their very nature in an unfathomable way. We can't even imagine that we can't imagine how it feels, the level of unity within the Godhead. Unity is so good because it reflects our triune God. Unity is so good because it mirrors God's original design. Original design. God makes man in his image. And in that he unfurls his incredible passion for unity. He makes a garden. He sets his people in it and he walks in the garden. God with man, man with God, that's the plan. People with God. Unity is so good because it reflects the triune God and it mirrors his original design. But we are aware that people fall, people walk away. We're aware of what happened in the garden, and people walking away from God's original design as we all walk away. Number three, then, it speaks of God's unfolding plan for humanity. You see, after the fall, God persists. He, he calls out a people. And, and as he calls out a people, unity is unfolded further still. He says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. It's not really encouraging when it comes up on your screen that one of the elders has left the Zoom call, is it? Come on, Steph, where are you? I'm sure he's just dropped out for a moment. Uh, where am I? It says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation, people with people. He says to Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. People for people, people with God, people with people, people for people. 
it's God's unfolding plan for creation. But we're aware, many of us, if we we know the story of God's people, we know that people walk away from that plan. People are disobedient and the nation that God calls out are disobedient and they are then sent into exile, scattered. They're a scattered people. And then God speaks into that. God says, let me read you. Let me read you some verses. This is from Micah 2. He says, I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep in the fold. In Zephaniah 3, he says, at that time, I'll bring you in. Even at that time, I will gather you together. Isaiah 27, you will be gathered up one by one. Jeremiah 31, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. Nehemiah 1, though those of you have been scattered were in the remotest parts of the heavens, I will gather them from there and I'll bring them to the place where I will cause my name to dwell. Isaiah 11, he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Jeremiah 29, I will gather you. Jeremiah 32, I will gather them. Ezekiel 11, I will gather you. Ezekiel 20, I will gather you. Jeremiah 31, behold, I am bringing them from the north country and I will gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labour together, a great company, they shall return here. I hope you get a picture. God says, I will gather you. God wants people with God and people with people. Let me read you one more prophecy from the Old Testament. In Isaiah 56, it says this. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house. <sighs> for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. So you see, God wants a people who exist for people. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Why is unity so good? It reflects the triune God. It mirrors his original plan. It speaks of his unfolding plan for humanity, of unity and inclusion. And we see these prophecies we see them being brought we see the, the the people of israel and judah being brought back from exile but that is not the completion of these prophecies they're not fulfilled in that moment they're not finished in that moment and we will come to the moment that they are fulfilled later on but let us speak on this why is unity so hard to achieve you probably heard it already unity so hard to achieve because we are on an individual level we are fallen people people are disobedient people in their disobedience are broken you, you've heard it you've you've heard it in the way people speak right you heard this phrase an englishman's house is his castle we're wired for self 
selfish ambition. It's a dog eat dog world. We're wired for competition. We're wired to look after number one. But it goes a lot deeper than that. It goes a lot deeper than that. Why unity is so hard to achieve. There's something that runs through culture, that runs through nation, that runs through empire. And this week, perhaps we're in a particularly timely moment to look at this. You might, like me, have been following the US elections really closely. And you, and you will have seen this, the, the most powerful nation on earth, probably with a greater defined sense of nationalism dick zeal a greater defined sense of nationalist history a shared history and allegiance manifest destiny you will have seen how how far short nations fall of unit from unity you, you you if you're watching avidly you i'm sure many of us will have been grieved by the level of discord. Some of us may be celebrating. You, you may, for many reasons, be celebrating the win of Joe Biden and the historic win of, of, of Kamala Harris, the first woman, the first black woman to either be president or vice president. You, you may be supremely heartened by that. And, and, and for good reason, but let me say this. It's all temporal. It will not last. It will not remain. This moment will pass. This presidency will pass. Just like our government, just like all governments, this political party won't last. No political party, no power set up by men will last. If you've read Daniel, you'd have read of the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had of this great statue of, of gold head and silver chest and arms and legs of, of bronze and feet of iron and toes of clay. This picture which spoke of the, the kingdoms of earth that were to come, the empires that were to come. It, it, it reflected some particular empires but speaks of all empires. And if you've read that, you'll have heard of a of, of the continuation of that picture where a stone is cut out, a stone that's cut out by no human hand that strikes the statue and the statue crumbles to dust. I can't stop welling up emotionally this morning. It crumbles to dust and that stone becomes a mountain that fills the whole earth. Let's come back to that stone later. But let us remind ourselves of this, that no earthly kingdom lasts <clears throat> if you've read daniel you've also read daniel's vision of, of of kings and kingdoms reflected as beasts coming up as out of the sea glorious yet grotesque beasts that come up to devour and have dominion that is the nature of in, in part that is the nature of all kingdoms set up by men all, all nations set up by men 
and you'll have spread the rest of that vision, then the throne of the Ancient of Days is placed in their midst. And these, these creatures are thrown down and the Son of Man comes and his kingdom is established. Why is unity so hard to achieve? Let's, let's come back to that question. Well, in part because we are individually broken people, but corporately, because as, a, as, a, as humanity, we try so often to build on broken temporal foundations. There is nothing in this world that will last. There is nothing in this world that is not interlaced with the enemy's continued operation of stealing, killing and destroying. Sobering. <clears throat> Let's come to this then, to our conclusion. The church and its unique calling to unity or how can unity be achieved then first of all because we have a foundation which lasts for eternity we talked about this rock let me read you this passage which speaks of the rock this is from isaiah 28 therefore hear the word of the lord you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol, we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. That is the position of all people, all else is lies, all else that we would take refuge in is falsehood, it will not offer us the refuge it promises. Therefore, thus is the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a testing stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste and I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. And hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and waters will overwhelm the shelter. You see, we are unique in that we get to build on a rock which will last through to eternity, a great rock which will fill the whole earth. Our rock, Jesus Christ, placed as a cornerstone. That is our foundation and here is our completion, the cross. I'm gonna read you another long passage. I'm sorry guys, but I can't, can't get away from this passage. Ephesians 2 says this, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. That's all of us. We are Gentiles. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility and he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near for through him we both have access to one spirit in the father so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, 
but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. At the cross, he himself became our peace. In his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility was broken down. In himself, one new man was created through the cross. We are reconciled to God. This is God's plan. People with people. People for people. People with God. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's done. You see, this is how unity is possible. We have a foundation which is eternal and unshakable. And it's been done. There's no outsiders. We're all insiders. I'm not going to read you this, this, this next passage, but I, I, I'm going to just, just give you a little pricey of, of Ephesians 3. The reason I'm going to read it because Malcolm read it earlier. Um, let me just pick out some, some bits from this that speak of the church if it's done in us then then what does that what does that what does let me keep reading it says this paul says this for this reason i paul a prisoner of christ on behalf of you gentiles this follows straight after that passage i've just read it's this reason this reason that I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. When you read this, I'm jumping to verse four. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. When you read this, you can perceive my, my this is my insight into the mystery of Christ. This, verse six, this mystery is that you Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is the mystery of the gospel. Let me jump to verse eight, to me, Though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages. This people with people, people for people, people with God. This unity in the church is the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. It is by standing together, by making space in the line for people not like us, by rushing to stand with those not like us, by regarding this spot between people who are not like me, regarding this spot as the spot of great privilege and honour. It is in that, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. If you've been listening to this Grace Jesus series and thinking, this is interesting, this is an interesting sort of add-on to, to, to who we are, please stop thinking like that. This is who we are. We rush, we rush to join the line besides people not like us. Besides people for whom our only commonality is Christ and the cross. We rush to spare that, share that place in the line with people whose skin, colour, 
culture, ethnicity is not like us because we share the greatest. We share a foundation, our rock, Jesus Christ. We share a completion in the cross. It's in that moment that we truly look like the church of Jesus Christ, his gathered people. It's in that moment that we make known the manifold wisdom of God. If I was to give you anything practical to do, it would be this. Rush to stand with those who don't look like you. Rush to serve with people not like you. Rush to encourage people not like you. Rush to be in community with people not like you. You're looking for a GC, you're looking for a running partner. Look for people not like you because it is in that that we make known the manifold wisdom of God. This is not tokenistic. This is who we are. Let us let the line, the shoulder to shoulder line of the church. We may hold up the same shield of faith. We may hold the same swords, but we are not alike. And that's a beautiful thing. We are seeking unity and not uniformity. Let me pray. And then I'm going to hand over to, to, um, to Alice, I believe is going to lead us in responding to this. Jesus, we thank you that we are a united people. We can't get away from it. We cannot get around it. Lord, we are so sorry when we have not acted like a united people. We're so sorry when we favoured uniformity over unity. Lord, we humbly come before you this morning and we say, Lord, let us reflect unity. Let us truly reflect unity. Teach us how to rush into the line beside one another. Lord, we stand on your foundation. We stand on you, the rock. We know you are the one who has offered our faith and perfects it. It is the cross we look to again this morning. We're so grateful that we've been brought together. One new man in Christ. We love you, Lord. Amen.